It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Welcome to the Having It All podcast, the show about what it takes to live an abundant, loving life. My name is Matthew Bivens, and each week I'm helping you get out of your head so that you can truly have it all. Let's do it. What's going on, everybody? Matthew Bivens here, and thank you again for joining me for another episode of the Having It All podcast. So this episode is a uh, it's a rebroadcast. We're dipping into the archives, and I'm bringing you a conversation that I had with a pretty incredible woman named Monique Ruffin. Monique is a mother, she's a writer, a coach, an author, a radio host, and she has a bunch of other things. But really, what inspires me about Monique is just how she handles and has handled circumstances in her life. Uh, she grew up in a rough neighborhood. Um, she's had a number of challenges that she's faced throughout her life, and she's just stared at all of them, welcomed them, welcomed the challenge, and has, has truly transcended and grown and evolved and transformed in the face of all of it. You know, in, in the episode, you're going to hear her heart, her authenticity, her courage, her vulnerability. I mean, Monique keeps it real. So I'm bringing this to you all because if you are a new listener to the show, then you probably haven't heard this awesome, awesome conversation that I'm having with Monique. So I definitely want you to hear it. So that's what you are about to listen to. Uh, but first, I want to let you know real quick that um, I am actually the host of another podcast. It's called Doing It at Home. It's all about home birth and natural pregnancy, natural parenting, and I host the show with my amazing wife, Sarah. And so a little bit about us, a little bit about uh, you know our, our journey into parenthood, um, we decided to go the home birth route. And so baby Maya was born just over six months ago at our home. She was actually born right in our master bedroom. And uh, before she was born, my wife and I launched the Doing It At Home podcast for other home birth parents and families like us. Um, because when we were doing our research and just looking into different uh, birth options, we, we had a hard time finding just raw, empowering, honest, great resources around home birth. And so we decided to make our own. So the podcast is called Doing It At Home. Again, it's all about home birth, all about natural pregnancy, natural parenting, and natural birth. And um, we, we do two things on the show. We talk to home birth moms and families, and they share their stories. So half the episodes are all about hearing birth stories. And the other half is Sarah and I talking about all different types of pregnancy, birth, and parenting topics. So it really runs the gamut. You know, uh, you, you, know you know me, so it gets raw, it gets real. Um, for instance, our most popular episodes are our sex episodes, uh, you know, sex while pregnant and postpartum sex. So check it out. The show is Doing It at Home. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher. And our website for the show is diahpodcast.com. So now let's jump right into my conversation with Monique Ruffin. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Monique, and... Uh and the work that you do currently? 
Yes. So I am, um, my name is Monique Ruffin, and I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I still live in Los Angeles. I have lived in various other cities and states um, for parts of my life, but Los Angeles is where I call home, and um, and I love Los Angeles. I really do. There's something about it that just feels so comfortable for me, and um, I feel really safe and secure here. I am divorced, and I have a nine-year-old son. I am a writer. I host a radio show. I do life coaching, and and more than anything, I am a um, a consistent, dedicated seeker of openings. <laughs> is mm. what I really like to say. Like I love openings, and so I am constantly looking for the place that is open for me to figure out if my energy is either big enough or small enough or my body can squeeze into that opening and onto the other side to see what else is possible. I love possibilities and I love newness and I am eternally curious. And so that is how my life is for me. Um, if, if someone suggests something to me and if I have any interest in it and once I've discovered that, oh, I have interest, it's, it's, this is a curious call for me and it's not going to kill me because I have a child, <laughs> then let's see. <laughs> let's see what it is. Oh, I love you that. So, um, so that's sort of how I live my life. Um, and it has, it has paid off for me because it has um, allowed me to find my way out of childhood circumstances that were very mm, restrictive and depleting into adult experiences that are expansive and filled with possibilities. So that's a little bit about who I am. Wow. I love that. That's much, much more deep and rich than any intro I could have given you. So thank you for, uh, <laughs> yeah, for opening that book on yourself. So talk to me a little bit. What what was it like growing up for you? Um, so I, I grew up, like I said, in Los Angeles. And I lived in, I grew up in Watts, which is where Sanford and Son was filmed. So most people kind of relate to Watts in that way, you know, um, with Red Fox running this junkyard. His home was like a junkyard and he's this old man and they're poor and black and and um, just living in this very sort of stressful time. So, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't raised by an old black man, but I was raised by an old black woman. <laughs> <laughs> and she was Southern and she was old and tired. I mean, old in her, in her spirit, not mm -hmm. old necessarily in her body, but she believed she was old. So she behaved old. So I, I went to live with my grandmother when I was three years old and she had a daughter who was um, eight years older than me. So at the time she was 11 or 12 and she became my fast, you know, um, playmate and caregiver. She taught me to read and she taught me to count and she just took me under her wing. And she, at some point she kind of became like my mother, which was, unfortunate in later years because she gave up a lot of her own childhood to mm. care for me. But um, for many years, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And 
so I grew up, you know, in a, in an environment, um, initially that was just me and my auntie and my grandmother. And then it changed because, um, crack started to come into, into the community. And, and so as I aged, like my peers and my uncles and people that I was close to started abusing a lot of drugs because there wasn't a lot of unemployment was really low. I mean, unemployment was really high. So there was a lot of abuse and drug abuse and alcoholism and just a lot of deprivation. So that was the thing that really framed my um, like young, like 10, like maybe like seven to 14 or 15, just this, this environment that was filled with a lot of addiction and that um, influenced me a lot. It really it created a lot of pain because my parents were also addicts, drug addicts and abusers and physically and mentally um, deprived in their own ways. And so it framed, so I was a Christian. I was very much like, like for Jesus <laughs> because that was where that was the only place that I had been taught that I could sort of find some path to freedom, find um, a connection to God, a connection to myself. So I took that very seriously and really spent a lot of time in church and prayed and spent a lot of time reading the Bible and did a lot of that until I went to college. So that was those are my early years. Wow. Oh, now you you talked about like that perspective and just sort of the the frame of mind that you adopted just living in the environment that you lived in. I imagine, you know, I don't know you personally. You and I have, have mm-hmm. had a couple of phone conversations and that's really the extent of our relationship. But um, I imagine on some levels you have evolved or, or ascended or escaped those perceptions, though the frame of mind that you had when you were a child. How do you how do you do that? How did you do that? How were you able to to heal and grow beyond what was given to you as a kid to where you are now as an adult? I think that there were a couple of things. One of the things one of the things that has really been a gift for me is that I have always been able to feel. So I was always very aware of what made me feel bad probably more than anything else, I could feel like, oh, this person, something about them makes me feel bad. Or I feel neutral in this experience. I don't feel bad. Or I feel scared here. So I always had access to my my senses, basically. And Mm -hmm. pain was a huge influencer for me. So, you know, being in the company of my mother when she was drunk was painful and scary. And I was aware of that. And that influenced me. It influenced me to try to get away from the pain, try to escape the thing that was making me that was that I was afraid of. Um, And then the other part of it, so, you know, having access to my senses. And then the other part was that I have been that I'm eternally curious. So, you know, running from the pain or running from the fear, and then having this sense of curiosity that just really will not leave me alone. So Mm -hmm. I would, I would try almost anything to escape the pain, except for what I saw the people in pain doing. So Uh, I would never try drugs. (laughs) I would never try drugs. I would never, you know, really abuse alcohol or, or I would, I never did things that I was clear 
caused more pain. So, so for a little while, I may have, you know, um, been irresponsible in relationships with boys because I didn't make the connection. And it's really difficult when you're a young girl to, um, to manage your hormones and, mm. and, the, and the desire that, you know, science implants inside of you to procreate. So it took me a while to get that, to get that, oh, this is going to cause pain. So once I got that, <laughs> which was when I was about 20, I was like, oh, so I don't want to use drugs. I don't want to abuse alcohol. And I want to be very mindful about my relationships with men mm. and boys. So that, so I just, those three things or those couple of things is just, you know, being very, very sensitive and aware of how I felt and being very, very curious helped me um, change what I saw growing up and the influences that had um, that had impacted me growing up. That's powerful. I was um, I was reading through your blog before mm-hmm. before we jumped on this call. And there's something that I read in one of your blog articles that uh, really connects with what you just said about, you know, escaping those influences. And it was in a blog article, a recent one, um, there was a, about the Gap ad, the Gap ad with the, the uh, that caused a lot of controversy. People, some, some people thought it was racist. And yes. I'll put a link to that article of yours in the show notes for this episode. So if anyone wants to read Monique's article, um, it's a great article, but what what stuck out to me and why I'm bringing it up now is is uh, is a line that I pulled from your article that I actually want to read to you, and mm-hmm. the line is and now again for the for list for those listening out there, go and read the article to get the full context of this. But you wrote, "We see with eyes of racism, otherness, and privilege due to our inability to heal what has created these broken perceptions." Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you were talking about that in the article that when folks saw the article, they immediately thought of racism, but that's because the eyes they were viewing the article with were eyes, it was through a lens of, of, of racism and otherness and privilege. Yeah. And so I'm bringing this up because it goes back into what you experienced as a young child and the lenses that you picked up from those experiences and how, you know, you could have gone through the rest of your life wearing those lenses, but you were intentional about your healing, maybe maybe more so later in life than you were you know, earlier, but you just mentioned how you healed through being in touch with your emotions and being curious. And I wanted to make that connection because I think that is incredibly important and powerful that you know, we see life as we are, not truly mm-hmm. as it is. And, Correct. And, and I just love that you wrote about that in the article and then you were sharing that um, in reference to your, your story now. Thank you for making that connection. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. connections are everywhere, right? Yes, they are. They are. And it's, it's, I mean, self-knowledge is everything. Like, you know, everybody is wired differently. And not everybody can feel things the way I feel things. But then I don't have necessarily maybe the intellect that, it, that someone else has. Mm. But however we filter the world, it is, it's, our, it's to our advantage to learn where we filter our information through. I filter my information through my senses. I am a sensory person. 
I I listen better than I read. I um, I feel better than you know anything else. So if we understand ourselves, then we can understand what influences influences us, and then we can learn to sort of navigate the world like a um, you know what's it like an obstacle park, right? Where you go, okay, that's going to create an obstacle for me. Um, you know, what will be less <laughs> of an obstacle? Yeah. Like, which direction should I go in? So it really is understanding ourselves. Like, and when we understand ourselves, we can navigate any situation. So how do you do that? You know, for the person out there who just heard you say, just heard you say that and talk about understanding yourself and they want to learn how to understand themselves, how would you recommend someone go about doing that? Well, you know, I, I think it's, for me, like I said, for me, curiosity is my greatest gift. Mm-hmm. So when I have made a mistake enough times, I will say, okay, what is it? What am I doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so the first thing is to keep our eyes on ourselves and not on other people. Really, that's that is mm, that's, that's where the where the power is. So if I'm making a mistake over and over and over again, where most people will go that person won't get out of my way or that person won't do what I want them to do. Or that person did that to me. And that is why I did that because that person or that thing, what I finally learned to do is go, I keep doing this over and over again. Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm doing? What is it that I'm thinking that has me making that same choice over and over and over again? So I, so I start to look at my own patterns, right? I start to look at, you know, so, and then when I can see my pattern, it's like, okay, what need am I trying to meet? What need is it within me that I am really trying to work out inside of myself? And sometimes, you know, I'm in the process of it all the time. Yeah. It is not something that I, that I get to and win, you know? Um, and, and it offers nuggets. Like recently I've been going through something with motherhood. Motherhood is, the biggest struggle for me. It just is. I have mm. to be really honest. Yeah, be honest. And awesome. um, I motherhood clobbers me. I will say wow. that. And it clobbers me, and it has clobbered every woman in my family. So it is a generational thing in my family that the women in my family who are mothers and the women in my family who are not mothers but who are aunties because we all end up mothering together. Yeah have the greatest struggles with maintaining our sense of self, maintaining a sense of power, maintaining our source of creativity inside of this experience of motherhood. So since I have become a mother, I have been paying attention to what that is. I have done the research to find out what it was for my mother, what it was for her mother, and I have finally <laughs> discovered recently, I, I mean, so I've been doing this since my child was born, but I've really been doing it since I was old enough to discover that my mother struggled so much with me. Mm. So I've probably been doing it since I was about 19. And I recently discovered that I have, um, that I have not been able to be empathetic with my own mother. Like I couldn't really understand that my mother was more than my mother. She was just a human being. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
changed everything. <laughs> but it took me like 20 years to get to that. My mother was just a woman. She was 17 years old when she had me. In 1958, abortions were illegal. She had a 15-year-old sister who was also pregnant. Her father was furious. Two angry men expecting children. My mother was terrified. Mm. She, was, she wasn't my mother. She was just a terrified girl. Changed everything for me. But it took me years to get to that. Because for years I was angry. I felt, you know, abandoned. I felt like, how dare she? How come she didn't? Finally, I just started looking at me. Oh, I'm struggling with my own child. What is this about? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's... Curiosity. Curiosity. And, and being courageous. I think it takes mm. courage to be curious. It takes courage mm. to look within because, you know, there's, especially if we know, on, even on a subconscious level, that there are things inside that we've been pushing down. That curiosity, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a great chance that it's going to bring some of that up. Yes, it does. It brings it all up. Yeah, it brings <laughs> it up. I, yes. I love the fact that you shared your realization that your mother is a person. And, and that you were able to look at her separate from her being a mother and, and saying, mm -hmm. wow, you know, she's a person. And people, you know, we do the best we can with the tools that we have at the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me in my life, with my relationship with my parents, that's something that I, I am reminding myself of as I am, am stepping into my role as a father and as my wife is stepping into her role as a mother, we're... We're in our 24th week of pregnancy right now. And so mm. being able to view my parents as people as mm -hmm. opposed to mom and dad who should or shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z has been a powerful realization for me. So I'm really, I'm really glad that you shared that. And, you know, it, sometimes it takes time. And, yeah. and uh, you know, just releasing the fact that, well, maybe it needs to happen within a year or six months. I mean, it takes the time that it takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And it's, I think the thing that I, for lack of a better word, worry about is um, how I experienced my mother and what I would consider the damage, you know, the fallout from our relationship and attempting to prevent that for my child, like that mm. he won't have the damage that, that comes from this very, very intimate cellular, you know, relationship that we have with our parents, parents, both of them. And, um, and so it, it does take the time that it takes. You cannot make it happen faster than it will. Um, but just the willingness, the willingness and to be tender with ourselves, to be compassionate and to, to come back over and over again, to try again, to get up, to, to fail and get up, to fail and get up is the greatest gift that, that I have still. And that my mother offered me before she was, before she was deceased, she would come back time and time again with her heart open and her apologies. And I was not the nicest daughter. I was oftentimes cruel to her because I was so, um, angry mm. 
but I, um, I forgive myself and I forgive my mother and I hope that I can heal a little more quickly so that my child can go along a little faster than I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't we want for our kids to not experience the things that we did and, or at least get through those, those, uh, those challenges quicker? Yes. And congratulations on your child who Thank is you. coming soon. And do you already have a child? No, no. This is our first child, our oh. very first. And uh, we're having a, a baby girl, and her name is Maya. And um, so oh. we are we're so beyond thrilled. And so it's that is amazing. Yeah, it is. And I'll, I'll just take a quick tangent. Um, I have not spent much time around someone going through pregnancy. And. Mm-hmm. What an incredibly beautiful transformation pregnancy is for both parties. You know, I've transformed, yes. but watching my wife transform from the second we we discovered we were pregnant and we were intentional about, about mm-hmm. getting pregnant. So mm-hmm. we, you know, we found out shortly after she was pregnant and her body immediately went into m- like mom mode. And wow. the changes, the physical changes that happened, the chemical changes, it, it blew my mind. And it still blows my mind mm-hmm. today just to see mm-hmm. how incredible women are and how, how perfect women's bodies are for being moms. It's, uh, yeah. it, it, I have no words. It is the most mind-blowing thing ever. You're absolutely right. And it is... It's so this thing about motherhood, I literally, I create a project every year. I start a project from September to September because that is what I think is the new year for me. And my project this year was with motherhood. So the universe is so perfect and kind and sweet and divine that I always end up having conversations and experiences where I see motherhood on display. So even now, this podcast has become something about motherhood. And you are watching, you know, this experience. You're watching yourself become a father. You're watching your your wife's body change and grow and this baby develop inside of her. And the body is so perfectly formed. Like the organs actually move out Mm. of the way for the baby to grow. And, and the thing that I love about conception is that that egg that is seated waiting for, to be fertilized, that egg sits there And, um, you know, thousands and thousands of sperm come to fertilize that egg, but that egg has a hard protein on the outside of it where nothing can get in it. So even though all those sperm are there, they cannot get in until that egg finds the sperm that it is going to invite in. It softens in that one particular space Mm. and then reaches tentacles out and pulls that one or two, sometimes or twins, that sperm in. So the egg chooses. <laughs> yeah. It chooses, which is the feminine principle in and of itself. That, you know, the, the creative principle, the, the principle of choice, the, the principle of expansion is feminine in nature. And so I, I just, I'm in awe. It just blows my mind. Yeah, it, it has. And we're, we're, we're doing a home birth. And my wife, oh. my wife wants to be, you know, completely natural and mm. just the, the surrender that we have to the process 
to the to the birthing mm-hmm. process um, has been phenomenal because I think initially we we did have fears. You know, when when we were kind of looking at our options of home birth, mm-hmm. birthing center, hospital birth, um, there were fears around going the home birth route. And mm-hmm. going, you know, this this links right back to our earlier conversation about those perceptions that we have. You know, I was looking mm-hmm. at at birth through a lens of fear mm-hmm. and a lens mm-hmm. of what if XYZ happens with the expectation of trauma. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once I was able to take that lens off, take those glasses off and put on a different pair, my attitude, my excitement, and my surrender towards home birth and natural birth, it, it just, it was there. And that for me was was pretty powerful, experiencing that for myself, going from a place of fear to a place of mm-hmm. love when it comes to this most amazing, beautiful experience of, you know, bringing a child into the world. That is so, so powerful that you are going to have an incredible, so you're going to have a doula or a midwife or yes, we, just the two of you. Okay. We're going to have a midwife mm-hmm. and uh, we have a community here in Atlanta that we've um, that we are a part of, we've helped to create where a number of the couples there have had home births. And um, mm-hmm. so we'll have some members of the community here with us supporting, bringing their their loving energy into our home to uh, to welcome baby Maya. And so it's going to be a, an incredible experience. And I am I'm very excited just to experience that itself, just the home birth itself. Mm. And then, of course, all the magic that comes with having a you know, a wonderful child here. So, yes. Well, pregnancy is an incredibly magical time, as you probably already uh-huh. know. Yeah. But I, like, when I was pregnant, I actually experienced magic. Like, I could think about things. Like, I could stand under a cabinet and think, oh gosh, I need that cabinet to open. Like, I didn't even know that I had that kind of magic at first. <laughs> wow. And then, like, cabinets would pop open. Like, things would just, like, happen. Like, I know it sounds so crazy, but I was there, so it actually did happen. It's like, I have the most mystical experience because the energy is so high. The energy is is. so high. So you really can, if you have any tendency towards magic already, if you're pregnant, like, it's even more, it's amplified. Oh, I believe (laughs) it. I believe it. There are are things happening with, you know, with my wife, Sarah, and the energy that... Um, I don't understand, and I mm-hmm. simply surrender to. And I say, okay, yeah. there is something divine happening, and uh, I am blessed to be witness to it. And uh, I'm not going to try to pin it down or label it. I'm just going to experience it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Now, what's your son's name? You. My son's name is Zion. Zion James. Oh, that's beautiful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And mm-hmm. and having experienced what you have with growing up and the perceptions that you healed over time, the relationship with your mother um, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you started to investigate and become curious about later in life, what would, what message, what beliefs do you want to 
impart onto Zion so that his experience is different? Mm. Gosh, that's such a good question because I, so my son has Down syndrome, so it's a very unique experience. Mm. And um, maybe, or maybe it's not, but I will say the other day, his grandmother was here, my ex husband's mother was in town and we were talking about Prince and she was saying, you know, Prince has died. And and she said, yes, Prince went to heaven. And my son is nine and he's very, very, um, you know, he's in the know of everything. And, and he goes, and she goes, Prince went to heaven. And he said, what's heaven? Like he was so confused. And then his, you know, his grandmother started to explain it. And then um, his father turned to her and said, oh, we haven't taught him anything about heaven. Like, we don't teach him any of that religious mumble-jumble. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, it's like, we, we haven't taught him about heaven. It was like, we've taught him a little bit about God. You know, like, there's a creator of all things. But we haven't said, you go to some place when you die. We just say people die. Yeah. <laughs> and, and And we don't talk about hell or evil or any of that sort of stuff. So, we just are... You know, we're like we just let our son have his his experience of stuff, and when he asks questions, we don't make up things that you can't explain, and we just you know teach him that we love him and that we're here to support him, and that you know we're gonna help him do whatever he wants to do. Like if if we can figure it out, we're gonna get it done. It's as simple as that. Um. So yeah, and and because I think because he has downs, I don't know for sure, but I think because he does, my belief is that he is um present in a way that I wasn't as a child. Like mm. and he's also not in an environment like the one that I was growing up in. Yeah. So he's in an environment that's very safe and he is in an environment that's very focused around his needs as well. And I mean, just like most children are today, like most children are in the world is sort of focused on them. That's just not how we grew up. Um, and so he, he just is the king of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And that's just sort of how it is. Uh, that's beautiful. Well, what I liked about what you talked uh, when you mentioned the things that you are teaching him and not teaching him, especially when it comes to religion and those beliefs. I mean, you said you're just loving him. And isn't that yeah. really what's at the heart of all these different religions and spiritual beliefs? It's this, it's, it's love anyway. Yeah. And, and yeah. so you, you know, you're teaching him the essence of, of all of it. And I, I, I love that to use that word very intentionally. I love that. Yes, it is. It's so fun. I mean, so if there was anything really like, Yesterday, my son performed at a school, you know, like at the annual school performance. And when I got hold of him, the first thing that I always do is like bury my face in the place between his shoulder and his ear. Like, I just Aww. always want to smell him. I want to kiss him and I just want to cuddle him. And that's basically all I want. I want him to not ask me for anything. Just let me cuddle you. And <laughs> so if anything, I think he's learning that my mother is, you know, like overly affectionate and I wish she would leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Now, what yeah, has he taught good. you? What are, I'm sure he's taught you so many things, but what mm-hmm. stands out most that he has taught you over mm-hmm. the last nine years? Wow. I 
think that he has taught me mm, that children are really watching us. Really, they they really are paying attention to us in a way that you just aren't aware of as an adult because you're too out of your freaking body. <laughs> you know, you're too in your head with what needs to get done. And so my son pays attention to everything, even when it seems like he's not. And it just freaks me out. <laughs> it really does. Like he's listening to every word I say. He's paying attention to the style of my hair. He notices if I'm happy or if I'm sad. He's watching to see if I'm watching him. He, I mean, it is just the most intimate experience that two people can have with one another, like a parent and a child that it scares me. I mean, really, it does, because, like, they are watching you. They are watching you. And they know what you're doing, and they know how you feel, and they know that, you know, they know what, you, they know what you're feeling, even if you don't know what you're feeling. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the freakiest thing ever. It is. You'll see. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Wow. So I heard you say yeah. that your son... He's watching who you're being. Yeah, he's watching who you're being, and and he's very present. Yeah, which is something that I I have to remind myself to be intentional about to get back mm -hmm. to the present moment, to get back to what's happening right now, and not what I have created as things to focus on in the future and tomorrow and a month down the road and. Those are two very powerful takeaways mm -hmm. from uh, absolutely. Which you know, like I like I said earlier, I'm sure there are so I know there are so many things that Zion has taught you and that we all can learn from. But presence and uh, and watching and being, I love that. Yeah, it's the truth. It is, and it's. I mean, it's like I said, it's odd. Like he can be in another room, and I'll get up to go do something, and he will hear the the steps of mm -hmm. my feet. That I don't even hear. And he will, from the other room, say, where are you going? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that. It's that. Yeah. And so it's, there's something about it that's really comforting. Yeah. And then there's something about it that's really invasive. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like. Come on, dude, stop it. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me walk around the house. <laughs> I love how yeah. it's just the it's on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Cuz that's, you know, that's how that's how life is. You know, you, we talked yeah. about earlier uh when we hopped on this call, it was you were having one of those days and the pendulum mm -hmm. had swung to that side of the of the spectrum and and you know, hopefully by the end of this call or the end of tonight or the end of the week, it'll swing to the other side of the spectrum for you. And so it's just, and then we roll, we roll with all of it. Yes, we do. We roll with all of it. And, and hopefully we can, you know, find ourselves in it, wherever, whatever end of the spectrum we're on, that we can at least find presence with ourselves 
And that has been one of the biggest lessons that I am learning lately, like how to be with myself, how to be with myself in the midst of whatever is going on. Can I check in with myself and ask myself, are you okay? Do you need anything? Are you okay? Oh, how are you? Or whatever it is. It's like really being able to be with myself, like presence, like out of my head, out of what the needs are of other people and present to my own self. You know, I was, I was reading again on your blog and I don't mm-hmm. remember the title of this article, but it was, um, I think something to the tune of the most important question to ask with your family. But the, mm-hmm. the, the topic of the article was, you know, you were having a, your son was acting up in school and um, your teachers were telling uh, you, you and, and, and uh, your son's father that he was doing X, Y, and Z. And you all sat mm-hmm. down with him and had a conversation and your son's father asked him, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is a profound question. Yeah. That is a profound question. And, you know, you at, in the context of the article, which I'll link to that article as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, you pointed out the father asking his son how he felt because in with men in particular tapping mm-hmm. into your feeling and even acknowledging that we have feelings is something yeah. that a lot of men are not taught you're taught to man up and man up means yeah. drop your emotions drop your feelings but it was profound that you know Zion's father asked him how do you feel and and what you just shared is that you take time to ask yourself how do you feel? And mm-hmm. What do I need? Mm-hmm. And that is so, so important because we don't always have a person in our lives to ask us how we feel. And so if, if, if other people aren't asking and we're not asking, then our feelings are never being addressed. And so, okay. and then, then our needs are also never being addressed. Mm, yes. Because you're, you know what you need because you, for me, I feel into it. I feel like, oh, I need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. I need I need to get some rest. I need to I need to be held. I need to be alone. I need to be connected. I need all of that. All that comes from that. Mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, um, Monique, I, I have appreciated every moment of this call. This has been more than than I expected. You know, I try not to come in into these calls with expectations, but you and I had had the pleasure of of talking briefly before, so I kind of had a an idea as to where this would go, but um, it went in a totally different direction, and uh, I absolutely have loved every moment of it. And um, I have one final question for you, and this is a question that I ask everyone on the podcast. Okay. What? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, what does having it all mean for you in your life? Hmm. Wow, that's a tough question in a in a way because I think I've listened over the years to all the talk shows where they say, you know, as a woman, you don't get to have it all. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've heard that so much. So um, I, if I was going to really check in with myself and out and the honest answer is, what would having it all mean for me? Hmm. I believe having it all would mean that I that I actually know what is important to me and that I have 
the courage to to go for that or to be that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So if I'm understanding, you have been curious enough to, Mm -hmm. to investigate and to deep dive into yourself to find out what it is that truly lights you up what's truly mm-hmm. important, what you truly value. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that information, like you said, you have the courage to go for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Or to be it. To or be to it. be it. Mm. You know? Yeah. So that's what, that's what having it all would be for me. And do you have it all? Do I have it all? Yes, I do. I have it all. I do. Thank you for asking me that. Mm. Oh, you're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, Monique, I want to say thank you for uh, yeah. for having this conversation with me and for being so open and and just so loving with your stories and your wisdom and your insights and uh, for for making it through the the early parts of this where we tried to connect mm-hmm. and it didn't happen and we got back on the phone and uh, mm-hmm. bearing with me and all that and. Um, I, I want to give you a chance to share, if people want to learn more about you, um, read some of your blog posts, perhaps, listen to your radio show, where can they go to find out information about you? Great. Thank you so much. So I'm currently building a website at Monique Ruffin. It's just Monique, my first and last name, MoniqueRuffin.com. Um, I have a podcast at 12radio.com. And you would just go on on demand there, Monique Ruffin, and you could find all of my interviews and and, um, shows that I've done with really incredible guests. Um, I have written at the Huffington Post and I write at mom.me. And sometimes, occasionally, I write at purpleclover.com. So they can find me in a number of places. Wonderful. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes on this episode. So if you're listening okay. in, in your car right now and you're on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever other podcast app you might use, if you visit firesidenetwork.com, search for the show, Having It All, and find this episode with Monique Ruffin. Um, in that episode, you'll see all the show notes, all the links, all that great stuff so you can connect with Monique and continue just getting these amazing, uh, this amazing wisdom that Monique has to share. So... Monique, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me today. I really, really enjoyed our time together. You're welcome, Matthew. Thank you. And um, I look forward to all the great work that you're doing, and I'll be paying attention. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.